Welcome to Mind the Skills Gap, where we talk about how L&D teams can take people from knowing to doing. Will watching 100 hours of LinkedIn learning courses make you better at your job? What can you learn from bad bosses? And why be a facilitator, not just a performer? In this episode of Mind the Skills Gap, Simon Housen Baggett, Manager of Customer Success at LinkedIn Learning, shares his insights from a long career in L&D. I'm Stella Collins, a neuroscience for learning geek and Chief Learning Officer at Stella Labs. Watch out, Skills Gap. We're coming for you. Hello, and welcome back to the Stella Labs podcast. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be talking to Simon Hausenbaggett, who is Customer Success Leader at LinkedIn. Simon and I met, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, probably no longer, Simon. It was at least Mm. six years ago now at a CIPT course. And I've always found Simon to be an extremely supportive person. Um, He's full of energy, full of enthusiasm for learning. And recently we had a conversation where Simon told me that his team were telling him that they really liked working in the team. And I thought it'd be great to ask you, Simon, you know, kind of what is it? What is your secret sauce to having your team think you're marvellous? So perhaps tell us a bit first about that story. Yeah, yeah, by all means. Um, so thank you for having me on as well. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I have a lovely team. Um, uh, I've built the team um, up to six, about to increase it to seven. So I have a, a lovely um, group of diverse individuals bring lots of different skills to the table and they we survey our staff every quarter it's a EVS survey I'm sure there's lots of different acronyms for that but that's what we call it and um, it's anonymous and uh, the feedback is collated now I've been managing them for a year and a half and for a year and a half I've not seen my results because I didn't have a big enough team. That's one of the particulars you see of the surveying platform. Uh-huh. So there's not enough people in your team to answer the, the questions and you get rolled up into your manager's team. So my results were always diluted um, with a wider management team, which was fine. You know, it's, it's still good insight, but it wasn't quite what I wanted to see. And so I was very, very pleased that recently I managed to get my sixth person on board just in time for the recent um, EVS survey and um, got back my results. And I was very pleased to get um, 96 out of 100 on our survey, which is a big step up actually from what the collated results were, you see. You know, quarter by quarter, it's been in the 80s. <laughs> so 96 out of 100, Simon, is pretty impressive. Um, yeah. I'm not I'm not sure anyone can get much higher than that. I was, <laughs> that makes you an almost perfect manager. Well, I, do you know what? I was, so, I was so pleased because I read it as a vindication of my management style and my and the team I've built, you know, because uh, I've been building this team. I've been recruiting, I've been hiring, I've been being extremely cautious with the types of people I bring in, the the, the different role types, the different experiences and backgrounds, you know, they were big in LinkedIn on culture, uh, culture ad, not culture fit. So the hiring process is always about bringing people in who you think add to the culture of your team, not fit with the culture of your team. Because of course you, you, know, you stray then into hiring just the same people every time. And then... Yeah, yeah, echo chambers and all so, that. 
absolutely. So I've been, I really took that to heart. And um, so there's a real vindication that the way I manage the team and, and the way I've built the team is is the right way to do it. <laughs> in, in, in this small pocket and this large organisation, this is how you, this is how I see we, I should manage my team. That's how I read into it. And I was very pleased. So can you tell us a bit about how you do manage your team? Because I think that would be really interesting for people to, you know, to learn from your your management style that has obviously been, you know, so successful with your specific team. Well, yeah, you see, it's exactly that, isn't it? It's so interesting, isn't it? Because the way I manage the team, uh, the way we interact and the policies and procedures and we follow and the projects they have is all very specific, is hyper-specific, really, to the team that I look after. And there's some obvious things that I do that I'm sure lots of people do. Uh, you know, you don't strive to not micromanage, you know, strive to build up trust, uh, be empathetic, you know, always be there for them. Um, there's a few very specific LinkedIn things that we do that's very different. So um, we, we are all about career and next play, hashtag next play, we call it, it's very American. Sort of as an as a born and bred, bred Englishman, I find it very difficult all these American terms. But hashtag next play, what we call it, and you know the principle is that um, you join LinkedIn and you are going to leave. We know you are going to leave. Uh, the average tenure is two point six years, um, but that's a positive, a huge positive. And the the expectation is that when you leave you will be a more well-rounded and better professional. And so, you know, as soon as people join my, my most recent hire, uh, I, I, again, I, I make absolute, I make it absolutely clear in our first conversations that my entire job is helping that person into their next role. So that conversation is, you know, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? Is it internal? Is it external? You know, do I have to help you network in the customer success community at large? Do I have to help you understand different um, teams in LinkedIn? What projects do I need to give you that help add to your skill set? You know, and that kind of conversation, I think, um, is one of the big things in LinkedIn. I think it's one of the big things that contributes to this kind of disbelief that you're you're in it for them. You know, in, you know, you are in it for the business, but you're in it for them. Another part of that conversation, funnily enough, is I always say to them, I don't care what you do on a day-to-day basis in terms of your time. I don't care what time you start. I don't care what time you finish. I don't care if you have an hour and a half lunch or a 15-minute lunch. I just want you feedback to me if you're unhappy, and I will solve those problems. But I do not, you know, if you have a doctor's appointment, just go and have a doctor's appointment. It's fine. <laughs> dentist appointment. Go see the dentist. I don't need to know. You know, unless you want to share it with me and we will talk about that, that's fine. I don't, I, that's not what I want to, you know, I don't want to be managing sickness, absence and, you know, uh, conversations about people who've fallen out. And um, we have a bit, it's a bit of a luxury, I, I admit, that in LinkedIn, because we hire so carefully and we hire the absolute best people we can find, you know, you are in a position of relative luxury that you can say to these people, I, I trust that you're making the right decision. You know, here's right. a project, go and, go and do it and bring it back to me when you're done. And I will accept that <laughs> you've made the right choices, you know. So it's a lovely place. 
for being really and I think that's I think the team feels that you know that's I think that's one of the, the big I think things. that level of autonomy that you know you're giving them the autonomy to, to make their own choices and respecting those choices they make yeah absolutely we're very coach-led in LinkedIn I think a lot of organizations are now I think the, the coaching boom you know has is not is not going away and I think that that I think initially that coaching boom is about trying to sell a product, trying to sell a service. Oh, we'll train you to be coaches. Oh, you know, there's a here's a coaching model. Well, apply this to your business. But the reality at its core, coaching is about asking the right questions and supporting people in the right way. And we do that at LinkedIn. That's a big, big part of what we do. So, you know, I'll say to client, I'll say to my team, they'll bring a problem to me. Oh, I have an issue with a client. And the conversation right off the bat is, do you want me to solve it for you or do you want to talk about it? Because that's two different, two different conversations, yeah, two very two different skills. Exactly. And you know, I could probably solve it. We could we could solve it collaboratively now if we or you can talk about the scenario and you know I'll and I'll use a lot of very annoying coaching questions. Oh, what do you think you should have done? Oh, you know. And we can and I can take you through that process. And at the end, you will have helped yourself. So it's just a very, uh, very interesting place to be. And I, and I like that because we, again, it's that, I think the team like that. Clearly the team are, are, are embracing that. But I think as LinkedIn as a business, we do a good job of that. Excuse this interruption. At Stella Labs, we help you build business critical skills, not just knowledge. Add the missing pieces to your learning journeys to take people from knowing to doing. Want to know more? Visit stellalabs.eu to learn more. Now, back to the episode. So you've you've talked about some of the things about that LinkedIn do, but clearly, you know, if you got ninety six out of one hundred and the average was eighty something, you're doing something different. Do you, do you know what you bring personally? I don't. Yeah, I you. I've got. I've given this a lot of thought actually, because, and I I think. Partly is I've had some really terrible managers and leaders in the past. I think lots of people have been in that situation, and um, and I know how hard it is when you're being managed by someone who hasn't got the skill set or your best interests at heart, or they're the wrong, you know, they're in the wrong role. I came, you know, I I, I spent I dabbled in sales, you know, for a while before LinkedIn, still training, but in the sales environment and you could see them promoting the best salesperson who was a terrible manager (laughs) (laughs) you have this kind of this piece where these businesses build um build leadership teams and management teams out of high performing individuals who have very low emotional intelligence or low collaboration or negotiation skills low empathy really big big problems so i think probably that experience shapes you as an individual now there's two two things that happen isn't there you either go and you 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 um you mirror that behavior as a manager and you've not learned from it and you you cause misery <laughs> utter misery <laughs> to everybody around you or you recognize why that experience was so uh, demeaning or demoralizing or whatever it might be you know you you reflect on it and that reflection piece is a big it's a big part of management, I think, is, and you 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 have to do that all the time. It's not just about taking something from your past. I think even now I will say to my team, oh, we had a team meeting the other day. It didn't it felt to me like it didn't go as well as I thought. Um, 
you know, and I'll say on the one-to-ones, what, what were your, how did you read that? And okay. I'm always seeking to learn and shape and change. So I think probably, so I think that, but I don't think I know that value makes a difference. Yeah, so that that openness to learning yourself and that kind of, I mean, sometimes people call it humble leadership, don't they? That, you know, yeah. you recognise your, there's a, a company we're working with and they talk about, you know, we're all unfinished leaders. Um, yeah. There's that idea that, you know, yeah, we're, we're none of us are perfect and, and we're all learning. So that does seem to be something that people like, really like oh, working with. There's a story from Microsoft um, when they, they bought us. So we're, LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft. So they're very hands-off, and um, which is great. You know, they could be more hands-on. It doesn't really matter. They're a lovely company to work for, both LinkedIn and Microsoft. Um, but there's this wonderful story of when uh, um, Satya Nadella took over as um, CEO, and he recognised that uh, Microsoft had the reputation of being the company that knows it all, a bunch of know-it-alls, you know. And... Um, he decided that the cultural shift in the business that needed to take place was they needed we needed to be the company, and it is a we, because LinkedIn is very similar. We needed to be the company that could learn it all. Ah. And that subtle shift of you might think you know it all, but you don't you don't know what your customers yeah. need. You don't know you, you could you, you don't know a lot, actually. <laughs> and and one of the challenges of, of learning is the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> which Quite is always exactly. you know a bit of a, a tricky kind of um it's a it's a complex way of thinking you think well like you know i really want to learn stuff but the more stuff you learn it, it's yeah. a, oh, it's a what's the word a paradox that's the word i'm looking for you know it's it's that paradox of, of feeling comfortable with wanting to learn but feeling well, really feeling uncomfortable com- it's feeling comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah isn't it? yeah and um you're absolutely you're absolutely right the and you might learn something and think that was brilliant. That worked really well with that person. Yes. <laughs> and then you go to apply that. In that think, situation. Well, lift and shift. That's great. I'll do that with my next employee. And again, it's um, and it works. It, it falls flat on its face. So, yeah, I think that, that actually that is one of those adaptability, I think, is one of those big skills, isn't it, of management? Understanding yeah. that, you know, actually, funny enough, the one-to-ones I have with my team, I always say to them, this is your one-to-one. This is your time. How do you want it to be? You know, I, I have a few things I need to tell you, past terms from the up above, you know. But do you want it to be super organised? Do you want to talk about career? Do you want to talk about client issues? Do you do you want to have like a list? Do you want to just have a chat? <laughs> you know, this is, this is your time. So there is... um. You know, you can't you can't take the same, you know, the same um, ways of doing things and just apply them to every scenario. It just doesn't work. And of course, the same person one time might need one thing and another time might need something different because, you know, we all change. We shift the environment changes, you know, the situation changes and what we might want. Yeah. One time we may not want another time. Just because you've obviously said you've had some terrible managers and I think it's quite helpful to people to sort of. I'm not asking you to, you know, um, <laughs> to name any names. It's really, really good to hear about what you think you really shouldn't do. If you want to get, you know, if you want to have your team happy, productive, functioning, you know, high performance, what do you think you really shouldn't do? It's, um, I, I always reflect on one experience in particular, and naming no names. Um, it was a small company, very leadership led, like the leader was 
this very outgoing, charismatic chap who really knew his stuff, but but it was the scenario we're talking about earlier, promoted as a salesperson, no ability to manage. And um, I remember distinctly, actually, the, this this experience where he'd taken the last two weeks of December off leading up to Christmas, and we were all working, and I was the operations leader at the time. And I said, and it got to Christmas Eve, and we're trying to ring people to sell to them. Of course, everything's closed. No one's yeah. there. And I, so about 12, 12 midday, I said, look, let's call it a day. Let's go and, let's go and have lunch. Let's just knock on the head. Nothing's happening. We aren't really working anyway. There's a bunch of chit-chat in the office. And he called the office at five to five and no one was there. And he was fuming. And I remember him giving me a disciplinary. Yeah. And um, just, he was so furious. And he's, the first couple of weeks of January, that's all we heard about every, every day. Can't believe you, none of you are here. Or, you know, if anyone was like, oh, I couldn't, oh, uh, trying to make a phone call and they couldn't get hold of somebody, but would have got hold of them on Christmas Eve, wouldn't you, if you were here? You know, that just this constant need in it. And I just remember thinking, this is just, this is just toxic. And actually, that was his control. He was a control freak. That's actually what, that, when, you, when you analyse that behaviour, it was control freak. Yeah. And you, I think one of the things you have to accept is you can't control everything. Lot, uh, almost everything, in fact, is outside of your control. And I don't know how my team are dealing with customers right now. I don't know how my team are organising their workloads or building their books. Or I don't know any of that. But I accept, I trust that they're making the right choices. The conversations are the right conversation. I trust them. You know, so when I reflect on, yeah, I think it's that, what would you call that? Micromanagement, I suppose, control, controlling. I don't know. Yeah, I Just think it's that, it's that control, isn't it, of... of of not allowing people to be the best they can be. Yeah. It's hugely no. damaging. Hugely uh, damaging. What you started the, with your team was you said you had a lovely team. And I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's such that was such an interesting way of starting that conversation because if you call your team lovely, you obviously already have this belief about your team and they're going to feel that belief and they are there going to respond. They will respond, you know, kind of in in context to that. So I think oh, your absolutely. beliefs about your team is really important. Whereas if you think, oh, my team will always get it wrong and I know how to do it right, guess what? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's funny because I could be in that situation because I did their jobs for five years. I was a customer success manager, a very successful one, did a really great, you know, I was really, did a really great job. I was trusted with our largest customers in globally at LinkedIn for a long time. You know, I was the go-to guy. And so... I've had that follow me into management and I have had to put that aside because I know the answer. When they say, oh, I've got a problem with the client, I can't, I know the answer, but actually I know the way I would do it. And that's not the answer, is it? Not necessarily. No, so, no. So I always say to them, well, what would you do? How would you do it? What, you know, and, and they'll say, well, you know this. <laughs> well, how you must have had this before. And I'm like, well, I have had it before. Yeah, I have had this situation before, but. You know, at the time, I just kind of, I, I learned how to manage it and get, and I got through it. And, but again, it takes me back to that question, doesn't it? Do you want the answer or do you want to talk about it? Indeed, indeed. And I guess also, as you advance in your career, you can choose to keep doing the same, you know, even if you're promoted to a higher job, you can keep doing what your old job was, in which case you're never going to learn either. Exactly. But if you actually then move on and think, okay, so there's this new role I've got, 
and actually I can learn some new stuff here, which means I don't need, you know, okay, it's still useful to know what the old stuff was, but A, that will evolve anyway, and, and B, you then get the chance to, to keep learning. Well, it's um, when I moved into this manager role, I was, it was exactly the same situation and I could see it, but I was the employee in this scenario. So I was made a manager and uh, my manager said, well, well, I would suggest you go and speak to all the managers you can in LinkedIn to find out what they're doing. And of course, then you say to them, how are you managing your team? And they say, let me tell you how to do it. <laughs> and actually, you don't get that from LinkedIn as much. It's all very collaborative, very lovely, actually. But you get this opportunity where they say, well, I run my team meetings like this. It's always seemed to work for me. You know, and uh, but, but speak to, you know, so-and-so or speak to this person because they do it differently to me. So, and actually what I realised was I was doing that whole piece where you gather lots of different pieces of evidence and, and examples and best practice and you build a thing you build a, uh, a delivery method a management method that works for you so I don't manage the same as any manager in LinkedIn but I suspect that's the case for all the managers in LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> you know when you actually reflect on it they're all probably doing you know their own things in fact there's a lovely guy I get on very well with him um, a German, one of our German managers, and I catch up with him regularly. And uh, he's very, I mean, super organised. Like everything is, you know, he's even got like a whiteboard in his background with all this, you know, a bunch of flip, you know, uh, what you call them, post-it notes all over it. And everything's got, you know, everything's, you know, very, very well collated. And I say to him, that's not me. And I say to him, like, my challenge is to be more like, more organised, I suppose, like you. But I said, to, you know, I said to him, "Your my challenge to you is to to let go a bit, right? And let's see if we can help each other meet meet in the middle somewhere." Yeah. So yeah. It, everyone's always learning at LinkedIn. Everyone's always sort of gathering this support. I forgot what the question was. Said I really just well, well, it, no, it was really just thinking about yes, how as a, a a new manager you learn or a new you know in a new role how do you learn and I think that the idea of gathering ideas from other people you know mm. is kind of sourcing the the crowd isn't it um, oh, is absolutely. really useful but still recognizing that you have to then do your own thing but yeah. that advice from other people is is really really valuable it's um. It, we they in LinkedIn they do manage in everything's got an in in it by the way so LinkedIn <laughs> so you have manage in like so and without the G on the end managing that's like the manager program you know everything's always got an in of course right now I wouldn't be able to think of any examples but that everything's got an in in it um, oh I can actually I've got um, I'm currently a buddy and it's called buddy in okay buddy in. <laughs> so there's always an in in it so that's how it works and the managing training. It's so interesting because I used to deliver manager in leadership training, designed right. it, delivered it, you know, a very prescriptive, very, you know, telling managers how to build high performing teams or, and the manager in training LinkedIn is just the case of them saying, right, let's put you in breakout rooms, have chats. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> very <collaborative>. really very <laughs> Bring them all back. What's the, what have you all learned? What, and there's these kind of theme, there's a theme to the days, there's like a theme to the kind of we're touching on collaboration or we'll touch on uh, career development and but very 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 collaborative yeah you know, yeah huge amount yeah. of time spent in virtual rooms which I'm sure wouldn't be virtual now but was at the time just talking to people yeah which is much more um well it's learner-led isn't it it's actually letting people mm. find what they need to find as opposed to telling them things that may or may not be relevant to them 
but I, again, see, this is and this takes me out. This is the this is LinkedIn as well. Like the way I interpret it, and maybe maybe it's not the case, but I'm for sure it probably is. Is I interpret it as LinkedIn putting their trust in you, so they trust again. They've hired the manager. They've spent a lot of time finding absolute person. You know, there's a, a stat that it's um, we get a million applications a year LinkedIn. Wow, it's harder to get into LinkedIn than it is into Harvard. So. The, the principle that they've hired a manager and then prescriptively train them, uh, drill them on, is bonkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's... you know, they say, here's, you know, we trust you as managers. So even being on that training, I feel, right, they trust me. I feel fully, tr- you know, I feel like fully empowered to do what I should be doing. And so that's how I then manage my team. It, I think that organisational, that organisationally building trust is, that is complicated, but they're doing do it well. You... Do you? I mean, this is becoming a bit of an advert for LinkedIn, I think. But do you happen to know in LinkedIn is is psychological safety something that is kind of um, consciously built into the organisation, or is it more something around trust? It's a big piece. Yeah, it's a big piece. And we have a huge um, we have a huge program on uh, wellness, diversity, inclusion. We have pieces on managing individuals you know diverse teams managing remote teams managing people and all of that is centered around making people feel helping people feel comfortable and we actually have a really huge piece on diversity at the moment and as an organization we're on a diversity journey that's how they call it and i suspect and i I, the expectation we've been given is you don't finish that journey you're just always on that journey Mm -hmm. but it's led to some extremely interesting training sessions and opportunities you know we i remember distinctly being put in a room like here's a here's the pair you know two people off you go and i'm in a pair and the conversation is you know what's your what's your background and what's your diversity journey and, and how what's led you to linkedin and and for me it's a very different background to lots of people i you know i grew up in a town called gosport which is on the south coast of england it's a navy town I had 1,500, quite impoverished, I suppose. You know, it's one of those coastal seaside towns that's been neglected slightly. Neglected, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I have 1,500 kids in my school, 350 kids in my year. And you could count the the children who were from an ethnic background that weren't white (laughs) on maybe one hand, maybe two hands. So, you know, that conversation for me has always been extremely complicated. You know, my diversity journey started, really, my my working with people of a different race, a different background, a different, you know, ethnicity. Uh, I mean, even even when I was at Hampshire County Council, and again, you know, not a hugely diverse employer. And no. then moved to West Sussex County Council, we worked in Chichester. Yes, in Horsham, also very nice these, kind of English villages, cities. Exactly, yeah. So joining LinkedIn has been really eye-opening for me. And I and I'm happy to admit that I've that I'm on a journey. I'm you know on a journey of learning how to help and support and work with people and you know so there is a big piece on just making sure that people feel comfortable in the in the workplace comfortable in the in the organization um it's a journey i don't think we're there as an organization i don't think any any organizations particularly and you talk quite a lot about learning and that's great because obviously that's one of my favorite topics too and um, kind of what's led you to you sound like you really enjoy learning you're very open to learning do you know what's your learning journey been that's a, that's a great a great question and my background has been 
quite unusual, I suppose. Um, I feel very out. I did for a long time feel very out of place at LinkedIn because I left school, went to college and dropped out, uh, tried university and dropped out and worked as a carer for about seven years. And I was looking after children with uh, autism, so young adults with autism. There's a there's a gap actually in in the UK system when these young autistic lads, typically lads, because that's the ones I've worked with, I've, uh, that's where my skill set lay, um, left school at 16, uh, and before they joined adult services at 19, it was like it's three yeah. years. Yeah. So we would um, we would go, I would go and look after them and give them experiences, you know, support. And some of these you know, children very complicated, non-communicative. Autism is a real spectrum. There's a you know whole spectrum of autism, you know, differing ways it affects people. And um, I was earning okay money, and I thought, well, I'll do this for the rest of my life. That's fine. And one of them uh, punched me in the back one day. It's a autism is a communication uh, weird disorder, really at heart. Mm. And when they struggle to communicate, they can lash out, and that's them. That's still them communicating. Indeed, yes, you know something. Absolutely. And I couldn't I couldn't do the job anymore, my back. It was I don't know what how what had happened, but they just caught me in the right place at the wrong time, you know, that kind of scenario. So I moved to work in a in an office, which I hated, as a con in a contact centre, taking phone calls for Hampshire County Council. And I and they on the day I started, about two weeks later, they got rid of the training manager sort of left I don't know what happened there no 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 background and I went to the manager of the contact center I said I could do that if you need me to do that you know I can because I didn't really like being on the phones seller if I'll be honest with you that's the <laughs> route to, that I to speak to people I say I could do that and she said okay yeah let's you can do it while we hire someone okay and I did such a good job of onboarding and bringing people up to speed they hired me and then I realized that learning and training is great fun isn't it that yeah Helping people, you know, I realised that people were being put on the phones, really, in this in this in this contact centre. Not already at all, you know, far from ready, in fact. So I built lots of programs and support, but huge amounts of support in place. They put me through a COPD qualification, as uh, councils tend to. They, you know, quite nice like that. And I stayed there for quite a long time, and then I and I realised that yeah, learning and development were, I was good at it. You know, I think there's a, I don't think you must be saying that kind of ability to stand in front of a room and perform. It's the performance, isn't it? You know, I think part for me, part of it is a performance. I think that's important because you need to take people with you. But then I think it's one of my pet hates is those people who see learning or training as a performance and it's all about them. Oh, no, for me, no. it's about leading no. people to to explore. And so some of the performance is important in terms of, you know, making them feel that confident that you know where you're going. Because people do want to be sort of, you know, know their trainer has some knowledge, skills, experience. Um, but for me, it's all about as quickly as possible stepping back from that performance and letting the people perform so, oh, so yeah. for me and for what we do at Stella Labs, it's all about, you know, it's like the conversations you were having earlier on about training, put people in a room and have them talk, yeah. create a sort of a, an environment or a structure and facilitate that and facilitate the kind of, you know, the collation of the ideas and the, the action planning afterwards. Because, you know, that's where learning really takes place, isn't it, when you go back into that's work true, and yeah. actually do something. So, yeah, yeah so I, I do love the performance. I mean, I really quite enjoy acting. 
but it is much more about actually then handing immediately or as soon as you possibly can to to the learner so they can then perform not necessarily in a standing up performing way but they're actually doing the work it's so interesting you said facilitation because i think that was the last phase of my training journey before i joined linkedin was i had joined west sussex as a leadership management trainer and there was this wonderful program being built so i collaborated with the people building it their external agency and i remember looking at the content of the courses thinking not a lot of content here not much you know there seemed to be a lot going on lots of periods where we just let them talk on tables and by i sort of fell with time i mean i sort of fed into them trying to get them to do a few other things but they were um they knew best and actually that for me when i when i started delivering like in that style it's very different isn't it that facilitated yeah. style where you say yeah. let's watch a quick video two minutes yeah oh, what were they doing in that video yeah how would you apply it to your role Go and talk about that for 15 minutes. Yeah. For me, the, the content piece is the igniter very often. It's the kind of, oh, that's interesting. Absolutely. That's curious. I've seen that before. I've not seen that before. But then it should be all about the the experimentation, the exploration, the how is that relevant to me? How can I apply that in my situation, you know, with these people or this, you know, context that I find myself in? And then it's taking that, you know, I think part of that facilitation process is then is taking people on that journey to support them to then integrate that into their workplace. And we know from, you know, lots and lots of research and from years and years of people saying it that, you know, a lot of people go on a training course, they apparently learn something, but they've only just started that learning. The learning really is when you can actually, you know, you have new skills, new habits, when you're when you become unconsciously competent. So you're not having to think about it. And I think it's that for us at at Stella Labs, it's that how do we support people on that journey from conscious competence to unconscious competence? And then of course the, you know, the process starts again, but it's, it's that kind of, yeah, experimentation, but then actual application. And I think people like to have some guidance in that process. I think there's a lot of people get sent back to work after a training program and it's kind of like okay off you go you've been on the training course and now it's kind of muddle through find your own way and and it'll probably be fine but you can make a lot of mistakes that way which you know making mistakes is useful but unless you know that when I make a mistake I really need to reflect on it unless that is your habit and practice then you can just keep on making the mistakes so I think there is I think learning is really interesting and and workplace learning is really interesting and and the, the amount of structure giving people a structure giving them a process supporting them through that process i think is optimizes the learning journey we can all learn on our own of course we can we're human but there is an optimized way of doing it as opposed to a a muddle through and wing it kind of way of doing it yeah i completely yeah i completely agree and it's um that piece when i um joined linkedin and they said right your job is now to go and talk to people You've bought this product and helped them put it into their business. I realised um, there's lots of different ways L&D think about that. And the way you, you frame it there is how I would take it to customers. But there were lots of people still saying, no, no, we're a, we're a compliance training tick house. You know, we need the ticks in the boxes. And then they can just, you know, they can just shoot off. And if they if they want Excel, we'll pay someone to come in and do it. And, you know, changing minds is... It's quite complicated, actually. They used and, to say, they would always ask, actually, sorry, for a, a culture of learning. Love a culture of learning. And I'd say, you've got one already. Let's move on. 
And they say, well, no, we haven't. I say, well, you have, because all your people are learning, I presume, how to, I don't know, come into work, fill up their car, learn new apps on their phone. If you rolled out a new Word document or new Outlook right now, they'd all learn it. It's their job. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you have what one. So how do you, what do you mean by learning culture? What are you trying to encourage people to do? And actually, it just meant they wanted people to go away and learn on their own. Yes. And I think that's a real challenge at the moment because that's happening. You know, we talk to a lot of clients and they're all saying, yes, we want a, a self-directed, self-determined, they call it many different things, learning culture. Yeah. But actually, that's fine. But it's 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 like saying, well, let's just give everyone cars to drive. You know, there yeah. are there are some some basic fundamentals that make it safer, more, you know, you, you get better performance, you know, you can you can you can make a much better job of it if you're given some basic guidelines, just hoping that just, you know, this whole idea of we've opened up and I'm sorry that people do it a lot, you know, with LinkedIn content, we've opened LinkedIn to everybody. They they can learn. Oh, we did, we have that. That's the challenge we yes. we constantly face. And my, that's the conversations we're seeing now. Because the customers will say, well, it's overwhelming. And, yeah. we're, and that's quite right, actually. It's the Netflix paralysis. Where you go, where you click on it, you think, I, I don't, don't know, know where to, to start. No, no idea. No. And also, so. you know, I can watch these videos, and yes, there's questionnaires and, and you know quizzes and things, and you know, and I know because I've made a LinkedIn learning uh, program, so you know, I know how they work. You could spend all day watching LinkedIn videos, but that would not actually help you change your habits or behaviours. I love that. I wrote a blog on this, so on my LinkedIn profile, I've written. A, we had a, so we had a competition, very interesting actually, in LinkedIn a competition to get people to say if you watch over a hundred hours um, in the, in a year of LinkedIn learning content, we'll give you a prize. There's like a prize at the end of it, and it was firstly it's very interesting because it, I, you can't incentivize learning in the first year. No one won that prize. Right. And in the second year, I thought, well, I'm going to win that prize. So I watched 125 hours, I think, in the year. And then I wrote a blog about it. And the blog was, quite clearly, um, I watched that content. I didn't learn it. Yes. And there's yes. a huge difference. Yes, isn't it? enormous. Yes. And yeah. I think that's what we really need in, in terms of, you know, organisational learning. That's where we need to get to. We need to get people way beyond that. Here's the information to here is how you can actually build, develop skills, habits, change minds where it's appropriate. Um, but it's a much, it's a much, you know, learning is a much more complex process than, oh, than a, you know, some people imagine it is. I think the, you know, I, I always liken it to um, if you were going to pass your driving test, you now have to do this, you know, your theory to answer a bunch of questions and you have to pass. Well, people make a real effort. Don't they there? Mm, yes. <laughs> the effort to write down all the notes and yeah. got that question wrong. And you know, actually, and my son's going through this process right now. He's seventeen, and I said to him, "The um, this is the first time you're in in your life you've experienced learning that you're having to pay for." <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and um, and you need to make an effort. You, you really don't want it. people just to pass their driving test, the, the theory exactly. part. That's really what you don't want. <laughs> That's such a great analogy. Simon, I've just got one one final okay. question that we're kind of asking all our all our uh, guests at the moment, and it's kind of, what do you think's the next thing, or what do you think is missing in terms of kind of learning technology? Oh, that's a good one. I think there's. Uh, I think firstly, an analysis and delivery of content that's based on skills as opposed to roles. 
because I think that's a really big part. And um, so I think there's a piece there that's saying you're a business analyst and here's a bunch of business analyst content because we know that because you're a business analyst and lots of businesses do that. They say, well, you're project managers, here's a bunch of project management content. And I think the, um, the identification that project managers, let's say, for example, are organised and need help with their organisation skills and communication skills and collaboration skills and relationship yeah. building skills, all those underpinning skills and actually delivering them content based on that. I think that's the first step. So I think a skills, and I think also there's a big piece there around having a global skills taxonomy, like an under which I have no idea where that's going to come from, but we call we call something I don't know. Let's say we call it collaboration. You might call it relationship building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so we need there needs to be some sort of just uh, some sort of agreement <laughs> that when we say collaboration, we mean all of these things and, and, and packaging up some sort of taxonomy. You know, that's interesting though, isn't it? Because you know whether it's collaboration or relationship building, all of those are actually quite a high level skill as well. And actually oh, break down absolutely. into you know much more granular. You're quite right. You're yeah, quite microscopic right. skills. And I think then beyond that, beyond the skills delivery, I think it's the skills, uh, the identification of which skills you need. Because again, it, if, if you say, here's, so in the first scenario, project managers, here's a bunch of project manager content. You're not in any way assessing the needs of your project managers. Mm-hmm. Here, you're a bunch of project managers, here's a bunch of skills content. You're still not assessing their needs. Nice. And so I think the big piece also is about how do we assess people's needs in a really quick, simple, effective way that provide that says to them right we now know that you're a project manager and these are the skills you need and this is where you need to spend your time right and i think Check, the people that nail that got. will make a big deal yeah, that, yeah. that that will be that will be the thing that that makes a difference and that's actually that's the key i think because there'll be lots of businesses trying to do this and trying to sell it and that's fine and lots of business you monetize this all you want but the reality is the, the company that really nails this will make a lot of money but they'll also make it make the biggest difference they'll make the biggest impact i think that's very very interesting simon i guess i'm looking at you know what happens at the other end because you once you've identified it and and you talked about you know the content how are we actually going to make sure that people apply those oh, skills absolutely. and that's that's the piece that oh I there's think. a whole piece there yeah oh i think yeah yeah you're quite right and i it's so interesting because i've got this you know software as a service mindset and i always think of that process yeah I, you're quite right there's a delivery and then there's a beyond delivery piece yes. isn't there yes so, absolutely. yeah you're yes. quite right how do we support people to actually learn in the job knowing that you know still able to track their progress i think that's hugely mm-hmm. important and you know absolutely. what traditionally that should be happening is what you know managers should be doing it but i think there's technology that can support support that journey yeah, for, I, for Learner and I think there's technology, I think there's skills as well. You know, if we go yeah, back again to an earlier part of the conversation, that coaching piece is yes, hugely important. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I wonder who'll get it, who'll nail that first. Well, we're so, trying. <laughs> <laughs> I keep a close eye. See how it goes. Thank you. Simon, it was great to talk to you. I think we've done a really interesting journey from um kind of you know management through to learning through to tech here so it's a really interesting conversation thank you so much and um, i look forward to talking to you again soon yeah thank you very much so thank you thank you for listening to this episode of mind the skills gap if you liked it hit subscribe
You can follow me, Stella Collins, on LinkedIn and find out more about how Stella Labs is tackling the skills gap at stellalabs.eu.